Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. I am back from a short summer break. I feel refreshed and re-energized. And guess what? This podcast is celebrating a birthday. The very first episode dropped one year ago on July 3rd. We've come a long way, baby, and it's been an incredible ride. Thank you, everyone, for your ongoing support, for the kind words, and incredibly helpful feedback. And I'm happy to report that I've been working on lining up some very interesting engaging guests for the upcoming season. People who I am confident will contribute to our ongoing dialogue about separation and how it impacts real human beings, how it makes them feel, how they might consider managing what will possibly seem like a whole avalanche of very mixed emotions how to address all of the issues that come with the separation, issues which touch on a variety of areas of expertise, from legal issues to accounting issues, health issues, mental health issues, parenting, real estate, and so on. When I select guests for this podcast, I look for people from a variety of fields to enrich the scope of our discussion and to assist as many people as possible. So stay tuned for some interviews coming up. I also need to let you know that I'm adjusting the podcast schedule somewhat. New episodes will now drop on Saturdays instead of Fridays. Today, I focus on a topic related to family mediation, identifying commonalities, areas of agreement, and building on those brick by brick to spur further dialogue, consensus, hopefully settlement. If you have been listening to this podcast, you already know that I'm an ardent supporter of family mediation as a practical 
viable, constructive, participatory option for resolving family disputes. Family mediation is hard work for the parties themselves and for the mediator. Why? Because it's a process involving a dialogue or a trialogue, if you will, because there are three people involved in the conversation, the parties and the mediator. These discussions can be difficult because sometimes in order to be effective in producing settlement, they may have to include uncomfortable subjects. And the negotiations themselves may be filled with strong emotions carried over from the separation, from positions taken up to that point and in the mediation itself. So one should not think of family mediation as a magic wand, somehow automatically and effortlessly clearing previously clogged up communication channels. But mediation is worth it for many reasons, which I have discussed in some detail in previous episodes. One key benefit, the parties themselves craft their own settlement together. Their futures are not decided on, arranged for them by a stranger, a family court judge. The title of this show is You Have More in Common Than You May Realize. What do I mean by that? When parents first separate, their emotions often run so high that one or perhaps even both of them cannot imagine having a dialogue with the other about anything, let alone their children. I am going to use parenting issues primarily to illustrate the points I'm trying to make today. When parents initially learn about family mediation as an option for resolving their dispute, they are often openly and vocally doubtful about the possibility of success. I often hear from one or both. We don't agree on anything, absolutely nothing, so mediation will be a waste of time. She will not compromise. We have nothing in common. We can't even agree on the time of day. I listen and I probe further. It's important to keep peeling the onion to see what is behind and beneath these statements to determine how accurate they are and what can be done as the next step. I'm not suggesting these people are misleading me, not at all. They may just be seeing the situation through a particular lens, giving them a narrow scope, often because strong emotions come into play. And there is a lot at stake for each parent, the kids, their well-being, and their future. There are high-conflict parenting cases where mediation is 
unlikely to succeed and may not even be advisable in the first place. Those cases are not as common as the public may think. Yes, they get amplified as anecdotes in neighborhoods, communities, and on social media. The reality is that many, if not most, disputes between separated parents can be resolved through dialogue, including in the context of family mediation. For me, the process begins with interviewing the parents separately to understand their stated positions. In other words, what they say they are prepared to do and not to do. These interviews help me understand what is behind those positions, what we call interests, what the parents are trying to achieve their goals, why they're taking the positions they're taking. Here's one example of a position, actually two positions, and the interests behind them. Mom number one says, I need the kids to live with me full time. That is her position. When I probe her further, explore this point with her, she says, they need to live with me so that I can make sure they go to school on time, that their homework is always done, because education is very, very important, and I want the children to grow into contributing members of society able to meet their own financial needs and help others too. Education is one of the keys. Mom number one tells me she's worried mom number two is not aligned on this point, that in her household there is a much more lax atmosphere, more focus on sports, leisure, and so on. And that their education, schoolwork, will not be a priority. So mom number one has now expressed to me her interests behind her position, at least one of them, education. I then speak to the other mom. She says, I need to have the kids live with me at least half the time. So that is her position. Again, I peel off a further layer of the onion because I'm interested in what lies beneath, what motivates mom number two in taking this position. And guess what? She tells me one of her priorities is education. She wants to make sure that the kids spend adequate, thoughtful, organized time on schoolwork, on homework, that they continue to be taught about the importance of education. Yes, she says, balance is important. Sports and other leisure activities are important as well, but they do not take priority over education. Now we have two moms expressing their positions, which are admittedly different. One wants A and the other wants B. But if we look beneath their reasons for wanting what they state they want is similar, if not actually the same. Emphasis on education, priority for schoolwork, homework, punctuality, organization, and so on.
I have presented this example in a simplistic way because I wanted to establish the basics of this approach. Sometimes it's that straightforward, identifying the interests behind the stated positions and then communicating to both mothers that they, in fact, agree on a very important point. Often, though, the exercise of peeling the onion is much more nuanced, more gradual, and requiring gentle but sustained probing to identify motivations and interests. But I hope I have shown you the elements of this approach, going behind the positions to see what is behind them, possibly realizing that both parties at the negotiating table are driven by the same goals, sometimes without realizing it. Here is a point which might surprise you. Often, when I tell the parents that they actually agree on something, and sometimes it's more than one issue, they are surprised. In the case of moms number one and number two, they did talk about the importance of education when they were together. They openly agreed on this point. And it's not necessarily that they forgot about that common goal, one they shared during their relationship. More likely, the turmoil and emotion of the separation turned their worlds topsy-turvy. Anger and focus on grievances, disappointments, anxieties, betrayals, polarized them, sharpened the edge of words, the tone of expression, created new assumptions about the other's intentions without taking into account the past. For parents, the road to consensus sometimes begins with coming to grips with the emotions and feelings felt on each side, with identifying them and being able to understand their role in approaches and positions taken. And that goes not only for their own position, but also for the other side's position. Why am I feeling this way? What am I actually feeling? Do these feelings make me react to this issue in a particular way? How? What is behind my position? What is it that I'm truly trying to accomplish? What about the other side? What feelings is she expressing when she says that? How may those feelings and emotions color her position? Is she fearful, concerned, suspicious? What might she be truly trying to accomplish? Again, this is the act of peeling the onion. I do a lot of it, but the parties need to do some of it as well to understand themselves and the other side a little better in the context of the negotiations and the bargains being proposed. This process may take some time, but often 
it represents a bridge which must be crossed before the actual issues can be tackled and hopefully resolved. Earlier, I mentioned that parents are sometimes surprised to hear that they actually agree on something with the other parent, have something in common. That realization often builds goodwill, piece by piece, brick by brick. The more areas of agreement we can identify, the stronger the foundation on which we can build overall agreement, settlement of the dispute. I created a graphic, an image to illustrate my points here visually. You can find it posted on my social media, but also on my mediation blog, which is a part of my dedicated website, metamediation.org. There you will find Metablog, and there is a post called You May Have More in Common Than You Realize. It's accompanied by what looks like a Venn diagram, each circle representing one parent. And the circles do overlap. In my image, the overlap illustrates the point of commonality. Take a look if you're interested. I will leave a link to the mediation website in the show notes. Here is my closing point for today. Do not give up on family mediation because you worry you and the other parent will agree on nothing. You may already have common ground. Work on identifying that common ground and build on it. Brick by brick one brick at a time. It's worth it. Your kids are worth it. Because after all, it's about navigating your way to a sane split. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app, will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.